chapter number 23, Matthew chapter number 23 this evening. And when, uh, when Pastor spoke to Brother Zach and I a few weeks ago and said, uh, we're going to get back to the, the Wednesday nights where we're with the teenagers and then have Brother Zach speak on the third Wednesday of every night, uh, Wednesday of every month, he said, uh, if you guys want to do a, a series or whatever the Lord lays on, laid on your heart, and thankfully I had a few weeks to, to think about it and pray about it and prepare and seek the Lord. And um, this phrase, this thought, this idea was placed in my mind. I was praying about it, and then um, I was reading, and I was reading this passage, and it was as if the two ideas of the thought, the passage, and the idea came together and um, in agreeance and, and, and said, this is the way you should go. And so tonight, you could say, is a introductory message to a series that... Um, if I have the opportunity to be in here, we'll, we'll be going through. And at face value, this series may seem, um, excuse me, it may seem bottom, sh- bottom shelf. It may seem, um, I guess, basic or uh, beginner level things. But I think as we look at the passage tonight, we'll understand that oftentimes the things that we as Christians would say are um, simple, basic, understood are the things that we struggle with the most. It, it, it's the things that we neglect to do. Uh, you know, we live in a world where people are seeking the truth. Uh, Zach mentioned it just a little bit ago in door knocking, and we were knocking on the doors, and literally in a, in a span of five minutes, we, me and my partner, Noah, uh, Zach's oldest went to the doors, and out of five doors, uh, three of them answered, and we had a conversation with. Uh, excuse me, out of five doors, four, four of them came to the door. And uh, we had conversations, and, and people who were open and receptive and, and kind and very polite in the things. And I remember speaking with, with one uh, couple who um, were in the military, and they were seeking a church that could encourage them and support them and help them as the husband was getting ready to deploy with the military. And many of you that are in the military understand that situation, whether it be as the wife being uh, left while the husband deploys to take care of the home and to take care of the things and concern for the spouse, or whether it be even uh, a husband who's going and deploying and concerned about uh, who's going to take care of my wife and to make sure everything's been taken care of. And I thought to myself, more than anything that this family needs, they need the gospel truth and a church that will stand beside them, wrap their arm around them, and just encourage them. And we say amen, and we, we, we have that heart in our church, and I'm so thankful that our church has a church for our military community. Not just the single military men, but uh, husbands and wives and families. And I was thinking about this idea, the thought that people are looking for the truth. But they're not looking for the people who speak the truth the best. They're looking for the people who live out the truth every day without question. When I was growing up, there was a saying that was was pretty popular. It's kind of not heard it as much anymore, but it was the old saying, Don't do as I do, but do as I say. Well, you know, Jesus even spoke in this passage here and said the exact same thing concerning the Pharisees. He said, don't do as they do, but do as they say. The truth is, is that we have a generation of young people growing up in our churches who are seeing 
Christian parents saying things, even living a life that says, don't, don't do as I do, but do as I say. And the sad reality is, that's not the way it should be. The truth is, the statement should be this, do as I do, not only what I say. See, the truth is, is that we should live out the lives that match what we're saying. It should reinforce. In fact, one person put it this way in a quote, when a man's life does not preach, his preaching cannot live. It's the old statement, practice what you preach. And Jesus says here to the disciples a very interesting statement that I think we can use as a launching forth into this great idea. And if you look with me at Matthew chapter number 23 and verse number 1, we'll see what the Bible has to say. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in the Moses' seat. Verse number 3 says, All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their fellowship trees and enlarge their borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms and feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus here speaking to the disciples is giving them a little insight. He's just got done actually speaking and, and the Sadducees came and confronted him about his teachings about who the Messiah was and who he was. And he, he, he would speak to them and, and tell them and, and saying, look, you, you think you know the scriptures, but the truth is, is this is the truth that I am the Messiah. He was, he was informing them as to who he really was in a way and they, they weren't too happy about that and, and, and they, they were astonished by his his, uh, his doctrine, as it says there in chapter 22, verse 33. And then, then after the Sadducees got done, the Pharisees, the, the ones who were the high and mighty, if you will, the ones who were, you know, the religious ones of the group, the ones who were the Sunday morning churchgoers and the Sunday evening churchgoers and the Wednesday night churchgoers and the one who carried their Bibles, they came in and said, okay, we got this. Watch out, Sadducees. Let's show you how it's done. Let us reason with this man and they come and they, they say uh, that they were talking and he, they, were, they were gathered together. They, they started to talk amongst themselves when he, they saw that the Sadducees had been quieted. And Jesus understood those things. And it says there that he, he talks there at the end of the chapter about who the son of David is. And that he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. They didn't ask him any more questions because they knew that. They knew they had been put in their place and that if they did ask their questions, they'd, they'd be exposed for who they were. In verse, chapter number 23, Christ turns to his disciples and he begins to instruct them about a great principle. A principle that we find throughout the whole scripture. And that principle is really this. We have to live a life that matches what we say. We have to live a life that matches what we say. And I think if we look here at this, this passage and, and several others, we'll see a few things that the Bible helps us to understand that this is a principle, a biblical principle, we today as Christians must live by. 
Now, at first glance and at first sound, it's going to sound like this message is directed solely at parents because it's very applicable to parents in the home. But the truth is, is that this message is not directed at parents solely. It's directed to every single one of us, and it's applicable to every single one of us. May we not forget that we have a responsibility as a church member to the next generation of Christians. It's not just mom and dad who have the responsibility. We say, well, that's in the Bible, Deuteronomy and all the Old Testament, that it's the child should be raised up in the home. Yes, absolutely it is. But the Bible also tells us in Timothy and Thessalonians and 2 Peter and all of the New Testament, continual and continual, that we must live out the truths that we proclaim and say should be done. Let's be honest. We're all guilty of it. We look at teenagers and young people and we say, they need to be reading their Bibles. They need to be memorizing scripture. They need to be uh, attending church and all those things. But if they were really to see our lives, would what we're saying match up with the same fervent spirit and vigor behind what we're saying in the Sunday school classroom and behind what we're saying when we're fellowshipping, standing around in, in a circle and behind what we're saying when we know ears are listening and what we're actually doing. Be afraid if we were truly exposed for the Christians that we were. If our lives were merely what we did and not what we say, what would our church truly look like? I think there's three things we can see in the Bible that will be helpful for us. And the first thing here is that we see a clear principle. We see a clear principle. It is clear throughout all of Scripture that this idea that truths are taught through the lives that are lived rather than what is said. There's an old statement, uh, repetition is the mother of learning, right? And you've heard that statement, you've heard the key to learning, some people would say. The truth is, is it's not what is taught, but is what is caught. If you look at a child from an early age, you can say things to them, but they begin to mimic what they see. Think about this, go back to Genesis chapter number uh, 3, where we find out that Cain and Abel have been now tasked with the idea or the thought of bringing forth a sacrifice. Cain brings that sacrifice which is pleasing to God, a blood sacrifice of the lamb and the firstborn of the fruits, and it's slaughtered and it's well-pleasing to God. Cain, he brings forth his fruit and he thinks it will satisfy God because he's okay with it. Where did Abel learn the truth? By watching mom and dad bring the sacrifice forth. We find it throughout the scriptures if we read, if we were to go to Psalm 78, where it talks about uh, our years uh, that are told, I will utter uh, dark sayings of old. And the Bible says there, he says, and the things which our fathers have told us. The Bible even says it in one of the passages that we all love to quote, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. The word train there doesn't say lecture. It's train. It's show. It's walk step by step ahead of them and show them the way that they should go. We feel like we should be able to stand from the side like a coach in a sporting thing and say, no, 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 don't do that, do this, don't do that. And they're looking over us like, well, I don't know how to do it because I've never been shown. By a raise of hands, how many of you are what you would call hands-on learners? Would you raise your hand? Over three-quarters of the auditorium just raised their hand. The truth is, is the great majority of us are, learn, and do learn by that way. We have to do it. And the best way we can do it is once we've seen it done. 
The Bible says here that there's a clear principle that we can see. Would you look throughout the scriptures with me at just a few passages that we'll go to? And we could spend all night just going from passage to passage seeing that this principle is true. But let's look at a few just for example. Would you take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 uh, with me? 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 1. Paul writing to the church at Corinth and look what he says. Be ye followers of me even as I also am of Christ. It's interesting here. Paul says here, look, as I'm following Christ, you follow me. Why? Not because Paul thought he was anything. If I may remind you, Paul thought he was very little. What did he say? He said, I am of, of sinners, I am chief. He didn't think highly of himself. Now, if you read this one verse, and that was the only thing you read of Paul, you might say, well, man, he sure does think highly of himself, doesn't he? He's telling these people to follow him and watch him and do as he does. But when you compare scripture with scripture and you understand Paul's life, Paul is not saying, hey, I got it figured out. Paul's saying, just, just follow after me because all I'm trying to do is follow after Christ. I'm just trying to live out the things that have been put in my life. I'm just trying to live out the truths that I'm telling you. See if my words don't match my walk. I'm afraid we live in a world where a lot of Christians... Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yes, I love the Lord. Oh, yes, I desire to know Him more. But if we saw their lives, how much time are we spending reading our Bibles? Not just reading our Bibles, studying the Word. Oh, yes, I pray. I, I think prayer changes things. Well, when the situation came up that you didn't know how it was going to get fixed, was prayer the first thing you went to? Did you go often to it? Did you spend so much time in it that people looked at you and said, I don't know if they're going to get anything done because all they can do is pray about the situation. The truth is, is our walk very often does not match what we say. And I'm not talking to the average uh, person in America who claims to be, a talking, to be a Christian. I'm talking to the people who are in the pew Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, who are claiming to be Christians, and our walk does not always match our speech. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. How often have I looked at someone and had a burden for them and thought, man, the only way God is going to change this situation is if, if we spend time in prayer and beg God. Let me be busy about doing something else. We're all guilty of it. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, Be as follower of me, even also am I of Christ. Not, not just that, but look back in chapter number 10 at, at verse number 11. God tells us that the Old Testament was the very thing. It was an example for us. Verse number 11 of chapter number 10 says, Now all these things happened unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now if you read through those things, it's the, the, the murmurings and, and the tempting of Christ. And we see all these things that it's talking about. It's talking about the scriptures that had come before, that they were example to us. It says, don't, don't do as they did. Jesus said about the Pharisees, do what they say, but do not do as they do. He knew that the life lived following by watching is the principle we see. Could we turn to one more? 1 John chapter number 1. We see that great disciple, John the Beloved, 
The one the Bible tells us that leaned on Christ's bosom that was there and, and dear and near to Christ with many others. One of the inner circles has been called. And John himself writing in this first epistle that he writes says in verse number 1 of chapter 1 of 1 John, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Look at the next few words. Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we've seen it and bear witness and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father and which was manifested unto us. Now he's talking about Christ. He's saying here, we've been with Christ, we've seen Christ, we've handled Christ, we've spent time with Christ. But notice what he says, verse number 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that also may have fellowship with us And truly, our fellowship is with the Father. Now, when we look at it, it says, That which you have seen, we declare unto you. And you say, well, they just told the truth. But no, we must not forsake and understand that there's the fellowship. They saw through the fellowship, one with another, that what John and James and Peter and the disciples and the apostles and the followers of Christ in that first century church, what they said and what they believed and what they came and they did match the truths that they had come to believe and preach and teach one to another. And the truth is, is there's a clear principle. You could go to the Old Testament and you could walk literally through the passages and see there in Deuteronomy chapter number 6 where it talks about that we are to teach our children diligently. We're supposed to go through the truths and teach them diligently. And it says in that passage, we do it while we're walking in the way and we do it while we're standing and we do it while we're working and we're showing them the truths lived out of the life that to be lived. There's a clear principle in the scriptures. Not only is there a clear principle, but I think there's a second thing that we see. There's a challenge to practice. Some of us don't like that word challenge. Some of us don't like to be challenged at all. But the truth is, is that we all have a challenge to practice. It's something we must do. It's something that we must engage in. It's this principle. We must live this principle out on a daily, regular basis. In our homes, in our church, in our communities. We must be people who practice what they preach. I know it seems rudimentary. I know it seems basic. I know it seems, um, if you will, I've heard this a thousand times or or those things. But the truth is, is this is a truth that we must have. We must have it. The Bible says that this is a truth for our families. Would you look at Proverbs chapter number 22 with me? Again, that passage we spoke of just a few moments ago, but the Bible speaking here of the families and when, when should we live out this principle? When, when is this to be practiced and be done? Well, it should be done in our families. Look at Proverbs number 22 and verse number 6. The Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, we heard that that. That verse preached, we've all heard that verse preached on a lot of times, many different ways. We've heard things said from, well, if you take a child to church and you show him that he needs to go to church all the time, when he gets old, he'll understand the truth that he needs to be in church. And, and, and if you show your, your, tell the kid that they need to read their Bible and they need to read the Bible and they grow up in church to understand they need to read their Bible, when they get old, they'll read their Bible. That's not an incomplete or entire truth. As pastor would say, it's an incomplete statement. 
It takes away the will of the person. But the truth is, the statistical average shows that most children who walk away from church when they hit 18 live in a household where the truths were spoken but weren't lived out. You want your kids to stay in church, parents? Practice what you preach. You want your kids to grow up serving in the church? Serve in the church. You want, you, you want your kids to be faithful and, and, and to, to put their arms around one another and to, to, to pray for others. Well, then they need to see you praying for one another. I think we would all agree as parents, we want our kids to be students of the word. Well, they must see us be students of the word. It's not merely enough for us to say, I've had my Bible time. It's not merely good enough for us to go into a, a room quietly and, and, and apart and, and, and say we're doing our scriptures. They have to see it. It has to be lived out before their very eyes. We must engage in the truths that we're living with them. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. The Bible says here in Proverbs 22, 6, to train up. The word literally implies hands-on experience. We, we cannot lecture our children and our young people into Christian service. We must show them what it means. Another place, if you would, just go back a few more books of the Bible. Go back to Deuteronomy with, with me, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6, as we, we mentioned just a few moments ago. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and. And the Bible says, beginning in verse number 6, it says, And these words which I have commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart. There's a lot of things that have been put in your heart from the preaching of the word of God. But look at what the Bible says in verse number 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and... They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he sware unto thy father, and to Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. See, the truth is, is at first glance, we, we hear that word, teach them diligently and talk of these things. And we think it's enough to just say, but if we continue to read the passage, the Bible says here that they shall bind them as a sign upon thine hands. Literally what God is saying here is our hands should do as we say. It should be as if our hands are literally writing the words that we speak. If we say we need to read and study our Bibles, well then guess what our hands should be doing before our little ones? They should be reading and studying our Bibles. If we say that, that, that our house is going to be a house of prayer because prayer changes things and prayer fixes problems, well then guess what? Then our children better come into our house some morning or come into our living room sometimes and see us on our knees before God uttering out saying, God, if you don't break through, I don't know how it's going to happen. And God, if you don't meet with us, we're not going to see what happens. And God, if you don't take care of this, nothing's going to happen. And God, the sick are sick, but we know you can meet. And the thing is, is they hear us talk about prayer, but they rarely ever hear us pray unless it's, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. There was an old song, an old bluegrass song. 
It wasn't if I could eat my mother's meals again. That's not how it went. It didn't talk about having mama's home cooking or get mama's hug. No, it said if I could hear my mother pray again. Some of you know what it's like to have a mother who's prayed for you. You've heard them call out. I wonder what would happen if we went down to that gymnasium when we asked and we walked in the room and we said, have you ever heard your mother pray for you out loud? Have you ever heard your father call out your name to God in prayer, begging and beseeching God on your behalf? I think the truth of it is some of them would say, yeah, once or twice, and we'd all be ashamed. They need to hear us pray because they need to understand that mamas and daddies need God to move and intercede. I know it's great. You know, for a long time, pastor has said Jackson thinks that uh, Josh is Captain America. That's wonderful. Little boys should think that their dads is superheroes and, and, and the greatest and the strongest. But the truth is, is what they need to know more than that daddy's a superhero and daddy's got it all and daddy's strong. They need to know that daddy needs God. We're so busy trying to solve and figure out solutions for ourselves, trying to be the ones who figure things out, trying to be the solution to the problems. I'll just work harder. I'll just work more. I'll figure it out. I'll budget it out. I'll work it out. It'll all be okay. They don't need that. They need moms and dads who will say, God, I have to have you and I'm going to get down on my knees in this living room right here and I'm going to wear this carpet out until I hear from you because that's what they need. I'm not preaching to you. I've got a little boy and a little girl standing down there and they need to see their daddy beg God for some things. They need to see God move in their dad's life because he begged and asked God to move in prayer. They need to know that daddy spends time sitting at the table with the Bible open and and, and it seems like he's always writing things down and he's always talking about what God spoke to his heart about. We want people to, we want our kids to have this as, as the truth they live by and then we don't ever talk about the truths that we receive from it because we're not in it. Like we should be. But this isn't just for the home. This is a pattern that we should see in the church. Would you take your Bibles and go to Titus chapter 2 with me? I told you at face value it seems like it's a parental thing. That it's for the parents. It's not for the parents only. This is something that the church must live out. Titus chapter number 2. The Bible says in verse number 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Oh, we could spend a long time there. Verse number 2, That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patient. That the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. And notice the transition from the aged men and the aged women to the young women and the young men. Verse number four, that they may teach. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. 
in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. The Bible tells us here that we as church members must be the kind of church members that we would want our own kids to walk up to. And some of you in this room may not have kids in this church. They're grown. They don't live here anymore. And I'm telling you, this responsibility, this burden lies just as much, if not more, on you than even the parents sometimes. I've challenged our teenagers out of 2 Timothy chapter number 2 where it says, But be thou an example of the believers. Let no man despise thy youth. You know what thrills my heart more than anything? I hear the preacher preach. He stands up. He preaches the word of God faithfully every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. God moves their hearts. And you know what I see our teenagers do? They get up from their seat and they do business with God at an old-fashioned altar. And it thrills my heart. But you want to know what bakes my heart? Seeing a group of adults who sit back there and tell our pastor, that was a good message. God spoke to me. God spoke to you. Let these young people know that God spoke to you. Come to an altar. Come sit on a front row. Do business with God. Show the young people what it means to do business with God. Because we're losing a generation. Because they hear it. But they don't see it. And in their minds, they look and say, Why should I do what they say? When they don't even do what they say. The truth is we all must challenge, live this this challenge out and practice it. No, not every one of us is going to be perfect at it. And not all the time are we going to be perfect at it. But the truth is, is that we must do something about it. It's not just here in Titus chapter 2 that we see this principle in the church. In fact, we see it all throughout the New Testament. We already looked at a few with Paul saying that he was an example and John saying that he was an example. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he says there, Paul writing to Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse number 2, And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. The only way our truths are going to be passed down is if you pass them down to someone and teach them how to pass it down to someone else. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, writing again, Paul says in here, in verse number 6, he says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. Now be careful, because there's a lot of emphasis on that word tradition these days when he says tradition here he's not talking about some man-made tradition what he's talking about is he's talking about the truths that have been handed down from the the christ to the apostles and from the apostles to the church and from the church to the growing church he's saying the truths that we have taught you if they're not walking after the truths that they've taught you move away from them verse number seven for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us look for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught and rot with labor and travail night and day that we may not be charged, uh, chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example, an example unto you to follow. There's a challenge to practice. It's in the home. It's in the church. 
There's a third thing we have to hear, and that's that there's a call to be prioritized. We must prioritize this truth. It's time that we stop just talking about it. It's time to move to action. This isn't the first time you've heard something along with this. I'm not standing up behind this pulpit and preaching something that's something new. You know what I'm talking about. Preachers have been standing up behind pulpits for longer than I have been born saying this very truth that we have to live out what we say. We have to, to live a life that, that matches what we've done. And the truth is, as Christians have said, Amen, that's right, that's good. Amen, that's right. They've nodded their head in pews and, and they've stood there and they said, we've got to do it. I'm gonna, I gotta. And yet here we are saying the same old things because it hasn't been made a priority. It hasn't been given the emphasis that it should be given. 2 Timothy chapter number 3 says this. Verse number one, this know also in the last days perilous times shall come. Tell me if this doesn't sound like our world we live in today. For men shall be lovers of them own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And the sad thing is, is that list doesn't necessarily talk about the world. It talks about half the churches that we have today. And it's not just talking about the churches that we say, yeah, look at that church over there. It's talking about churches that look just like ours. Proud, boasters, truce breakers, traitors, heady, high-minded, Most dangerous of all being, verse number 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Oh, yeah, I read my Bible. Deny the power that it can change your life and study it. Oh, prayer changes things. When was the last time you got down on your knees and you begged God before somebody, they walked in on the room? I'm not talking about putting on a show. I'm talking about our kids or, 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 or somebody walking in on us and going... Because they're obviously doing business with God. I remember growing up, Zach, you'll remember it. You used to hear a lot about those prayer warriors in your church. The people you knew without a shadow of a doubt. You could call up, you could walk to, and you could say, please pray with me about this. We're all too prideful to even share our prayer requests half the time anymore. I don't want to be a burden. I wouldn't want to burden them with that. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's biblical to ask someone to to pray for you, to deal with you with prayer. That's what God intended with the church. Even if this is something we try to live out, even if this is something you're doing, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you tonight to renew yourself once again to this thing, this truth, this principle. I will live this principle out where the things that I do Speak and testify of the truths that I have said. We tell our young people to read their Bible. That they should read their Bible and they should study. When was the last time they saw us read our Bible? When was the last time they saw the Bible out on the dinner table spread out with with, with a pen and a paper searching the scriptures? 
When was the last time that, that we came in and we looked at a young person and, and took him by the, by the arm and said, Hey, the Lord said, said something to me in my devotions this week. Let me just share it with you because it was such an encouragement to me. We tell them to, to, to read their Bibles. We, we tell them to memorize Scripture. Oh, yes, give them their memory, memory verse in Sunday school. That's fine. That's fine for them when they're as a kid, but I'm too old to memorize Scripture. You know what you're telling kids when you say that out loud? There comes a point where they don't need to memorize Scripture anymore. I'm too old to memorize Scripture. No, you're not too old to memorize Scripture. It may not come as easily as it once did, but you still need the Word of God in your life just like I need the Word of God in my life, and we must memorize the Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. You know that verse. Do you believe it? I don't know about you. I'm tired of being a sinner. I'm tired of having times where my old sin nature catches up with me. I'm so sick and tired of myself sometimes. And I say, how am I ever going to stop this? God's already told me. We've already memorized the verse. Thy word have I hid in my heart. How am I going to stop doing those things every once in a while? How am I I going to keep from the sinful nature from coming up? I don't know. Memorize scripture. Do it with your children. And when they do it better than you, amen, brother Cyrus. You pat them on the back and you say, I'm so proud of you. You're such an encouragement to me. I'm going to keep going because I want to be like you. Oh, what that would do for some children to hear some mothers and some fathers and some Sunday school teachers memorizing the scriptures in the Sunday school pamphlets and saying, I memorized the verse. I'm going to get a treat this week. Right? What a blessing that would be. We've got to get back to these things. We tell them prayer moves. But they don't see us on our knees. They don't see us broken and hurting, pleading for God to move. Because we're too prideful and too proud of ourselves to think that if our kids see us in tears, it might hurt them. No, we're hurting them by not letting us see us be weak and in need of an almighty God to intercede. Oh, I'm just trying to protect my kids from some things. You're not protecting them from anything. They need to see us searching and begging from God in prayer on our knees. They need to hear us cry out and beg God and intercede. Are we so humble or are we so prideful that we're afraid our kids might look at us and say, Mommy and Daddy needed God to move and there was nothing they could do but beg it. And guess what? God moved in. Man, we need a generation of young people that knows what it means to hear prayer answered. Not just because God's answered their prayers. Because they've seen it lived out in mamas and daddies and Sunday school teachers. And the person next to you in the pew comes up to them and said, I'm praying for you. Let me pray with you. You ever notice that these young men, some of them get up here and, and they get behind this pulpit to pray. And they're asked to pray and nerves has something to do with it. But they act as if they don't ever know how to pray. Because they've never heard some people pray. Other than God, thank you for this food. They don't know what it means to beg God and plead with God. You want to know what the truth is? You want to know why so many young people listen to Him pray? They know how to ask for requests for themselves, but guess what they haven't figured out that prayer is supposed to be done too? Thanksgiving. 
Want to know why? Because if they do hear mom and dad pray, it's because they rarely ever hear mom and dad say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. Dads, your kids don't need you to be the strongest, the most athletic, the coolest dad, the best video game player, the, the hardest worker out there. They need dads who study the scriptures, who pray. That's what they need to see. They need to see dads who keep their word and, and live it out and, and invite people to scripture uh, to church. I'm sorry, but our young men should not be learning how to go soul winning and how to give someone a track from Brother Zach and Pastor and myself. They need to be learning how to give a track from you. That's Bible. That's the truth. And when I say you, I'm not meaning just dads. I'm meaning gentlemen in this church. It's time to step up. And when they're soul winning and you don't have anything going on a Saturday, you should be here and you say, I I don't know how to do it. Well, come. We'll teach you. Somebody will take you. And then you can take one of these young men and you can show them. And you can say, hey, you're going to be my prayer partner. And you're going to be my soul winning partner for the next six months. And I'm going to encourage you in the Lord. And I'm going to put my arm around you. And while we're walking on the streets, knocking door to door and in between the doors, guess what? I'm going to look at you and say, how was your week? I'm praying. For you, I've been praying for you over that prayer request you shared with me, and I've been following along with what's been going on in your life, and I'm proud of you. And I keep praying, and I'm keeping and praying, and I'm keeping praying. Why? Because I've taken an interest in your life. How many times has our pastor stood right here and he said the people that have influenced him most alongside his stepdad were those men in that church that would come up beside him and put their arm around him and say, "I'm praying for you." Look, the work of youth ministry is not done by the youth pastor. It's done by the people. It's done by the parents. We have to have a generation of young people. They need to hear the truths that are taught in church. That's yes, that's absolutely true. But they need more than to hear the truths that are taught in church. They need to see it lived out in the living room. I pray that as a father, as a youth pastor, as a member of the church, my life says one thing. Do as I do, not only as I say. Would you pray with me? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, help us. God, help us. Lord, if this world's ever going to be changed, if there's going to see revival in the church, it has to be lived out by us. God, if the next generation is going to hear the truths, if they're going to understand what it means, it has to be lived out by us. And God, help us. We need you. God, help me. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me to live a life of prayer. True Bible study. God, may I not be a person who stands up and says things and not live it out. Oh, Lord, help me to do as I say. Help our church. Lord, thank you for always being with us. In Jesus' name we pray as we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.